Um, if you want to go ahead and turn, if you open your phone or your iPad or your Bible, whatever you want to do it, to Joshua chapter, to Joshua chapter 3. And um, I know you already know this, but, but let me just review it real quickly. By the time you get to Joshua in the scriptures, um, the exodus has happened. Moses has led the children of Israel out of slavery, and they've been in slavery for 400 years. And if you remember all the way back into Genesis, God has made a promise to Abraham. And he told him in advance that there'd be this 400 years of slavery, but God would lead them out and into a a promised land. And so we're at that moment. And so in this moment in Joshua's life, God has delivered his people from slavery, but they didn't know how to live as free men. And, And so God gave him the Ten Commandments, not as punishment, but as the way that freed people should live and treat each other. And so within that, within that moment, they, they rebel pretty severely. And because of their stubbornness, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years, right? And so, so what's happened is that whole generation has died off. Moses is not going to be able to take them into the promised land. He gets to see it from a distance, but he doesn't get to lead them in. And so Joshua is now um, responsible for leading the folks in. And he's been Moses' assistant for 40 years. And now we're on this side of the Jordan. What God wants to give us is on the other side of the Jordan, and we're going to begin to make our march through the Jordan River to that, to that promise. And so kind of the big idea of this message is this, is the way to get in on what God wants to give us is to, as a community, as a matter of fact, this isn't an individual message tonight. This is a message about what it means to follow God in community, to do it together, because that's what the children of Israel are going to do. They're going to follow God together. And that is to put ourselves in a position to receive what God wants to give us. And that really means to obey, to obey him. I know you already know this, but the Old Testament oftentimes does this. It gives us a picture of what we will later see in the New Testament taught as a principle or as, as, a, as a learning from Jesus. And, and here's what I want us to remember, that the Exodus journey out of Egypt is a picture of our journey out of slavery to sin. So, so we're, the children of Israel are led out of Egypt in order to learn how to live free in the promised land. And so for us, the reason this is an important message is because God has led us out of slavery to sin, and he's leading us into the promised life. And, and so here's what I want us to see. There are things we can learn about how the children of Israel entered the promised land that are clues to how we need to enter the promised life. And here's what I want to ask you. I know if you're at church on a Wednesday night during COVID that you're a follower of Jesus, okay? So can I ask you to do this? Can I ask you to try to listen with ears that aren't longtime church members? Can I ask you to try to listen from a position of not already knowing everything, but trying to remember what it was like when you began following God? One of the things that I, I want to just kind of try to draw a metaphor from is in 1986, there was a movie that came out called Hoosiers. And if you're a basketball fan, Hoosiers is like this classic movie. And there are some people in the room that are too young to even remember 1986. But what I want to say is if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a great movie about a basketball team who was the most unlikely basketball team in order to win the Indiana State Championship. 
But this little backwater community, they get to the championship, and when, when um, Gene Hackman, who plays the coach, sees their faces, when they see the campus and the auditorium, he does something really interesting. He, um, he takes them in, and he has a tape measure. And in the tape measure, what he does is he goes over, and he, um, he has a measure how far it is from the hoop to the ground. And guess how much it was? 10 feet. Then he measured from the free throw line to where the hoop was, and guess how far that was? It was 15 feet. Because here's what he wanted them to see. The arena that you play in may look different, but the rules of the game and the dimensions of the game and the basics of the game are still the same. Okay, you see it coming? The arena that we are living in today may be different. But the basics of what it means to follow Jesus, the goal is still 10 feet from the ground. The free throw shot is still 15 feet. I mean, following Jesus really hasn't changed. And so we need to remind ourselves about what that looks like and what it means. And so as we jump in to, um, to the passage, uh, here's the question I want us to ask is, how does a community of Jesus followers model of life of faith together? The first thing they do is this. The first thing they do is to pursue God's presence together. They pursue God's presence together. I want you to see it in the text. Here we go. Early in the morning, uh, this is uh, in Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. Um, it says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before the crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. Here are the orders. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and you are to follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Don't go near it. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. The ark is prominent in this passage of Scripture. And it's prominent, and, and see, I know that you know this, but let me say it. The ark is a piece of furniture. It's a box, gold-coated with a lid on it that's called the mercy seat with angels facing each other, bowing down, and, and inside that is the, the Ten Commandments and some various other articles. And, and, and the mercy seat is on top of, is the top, it's the lid, if you will. And so on the Day of Atonement, blood is sprinkled there for the forgiveness of sin for the, for the nation of Israel. And, and God has told Moses and Joshua, I, when I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak to you from the top of the ark. I mean, it, it, it's, the present, it's the representation of the promise of God. So from a physical view, it looks like a piece of furniture. But from a spiritual view, it's a reminder to the people of Israel that they're in relationship with a covenant God who is for them. Now, what's important about this is that literally the fact that the ark goes before them means that, G, that God is literally, like Joshua is the commander, but God is in charge. God is leading the people. He's, he's not only out in front of them, but he is with them. Now here's the point. God's plan is to take you and me to places we have never been before. And the way you get to where God wants to take you is you follow him. You follow him. Because following means trusting. But here's the problem. 
Most of us get impatient with God's timing and we get out in front of him. And can I hear an amen that when we get out in front of God, we mess things up. We usually get impatient with his timing. Here's a, here's a spiritual piece of wisdom. God doesn't need our help, but God wants our obedience. So he doesn't need our help to cross the Jordan. He doesn't need our help to get to the promised life. Because listen to me, even sincere things done the wrong way and at the wrong time are still the wrong thing. It doesn't matter how sincere you are. So what does it mean to pursue God's presence? It means that you value who God is. It means that you desire him. It means that you have, listen, it means that you have affection for God. Can I tell you what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid there's a generation of people who have religious respect for God. They believe that he exists. They, they wouldn't cuss or chew or go with girls who do, but at, but at the end of the day, they just have religious respect. They don't have affection. God is not looking for people who will give him religious respect. God is looking for people who will obey him because they love him. This, this is such an easy lesson for me, not that I always do it, but I found out in high school, now this is gonna be hard for you to believe, I wasn't always as cool as I am now. I, I mean, I, the, 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 when I was, that's a joke. So at the end of the day, when I was in high school, I didn't date until I found out that there was this girl named Tina Morton through a mutual friend that, that if I were to ask her, she would say yes. So I was so courageous that I didn't date anybody until somebody said, if he'll ask me, I'll say yes. And so she was one of those, I mean, like she was in the cool group. She was like, it was awesome. And so what I did, because I didn't just want to go and ask her out, I made a plan. Our high school was laid out in an X. So our hallways crossed right here. And so what I did is I went and stood at the crossing because I knew that she would walk by there that day. And so when I saw her, I just, oh, hey, how are you doing? And we walk, I walked her to class and asked her out, and the rest in, is grandbabies in history. And, and so here's, here's the thing. How do we pursue God's presence? We go to where our life will most likely intersect with God's. See, nobody had to tell this guy that if that girl liked him, he ought to go to where she is. That's why, that's why religious, see, religious respect will not move you to obedience, but affection for God will move you to obedience. As a matter of fact, the scripture says we are to, in Deuteronomy, it says we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 actually makes a promise. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In other words, blessed are those who, who affectionately pursue God because he's going to deliver on that. He's going to fill you with his righteousness. And so what would have to change in your life for you to go after God's presence? I'm betting it would be the time you spend in his word and the time you spend at worship. Two W's. It should be easy to remember. So what is your plan for tomorrow? Like how will you start your day tomorrow to make sure that you're at the intersection of where your life and God's life will touch each other tomorrow in a way that you just don't show him religious respect, but you actually communicate to him that you have affection for him in your heart, mind, soul, 
and strength. The second thing is not only do you pursue God's presence, but the second thing is you, they, you move out and stand where God directs. You move out. Listen to what the scripture says. And the Lord said to Joshua, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See the Ark of the, of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. God is saying, as you enter the promised land, here's how you know that you're going to be able to defeat all these other people. You're going to see the water part. So the water parting was the guarantee. God's, now remember, this is a sermon about God delivering on a 400-year-old promise. God is a God who delivers on his promise. The Jordan is at flood stage. Here's the problem. What God had promised them is on the other side of a big obstacle. Isn't that life? What, what you think that God, what you know that God wants to give you is on the other side of an obstacle. Okay. I want to remind you that the same God who can go across the Jordan River at flood stage and have people do it on dry land can do your barrier today. You see, so crossing the Jordan is not just a traveling act, it's an act of worship. Hear me on this. The only way to discover that God is faithful is by taking the steps He has told you to take and watch what he does. The only way. That's the the only way. And can can you go here with me? What if the people of Israel in this moment had said, we're not gonna do it. We want you to do it like you did with Moses. Because with Moses, the water was parted before they ever stepped in. They all walked across on dry land. In this case, somebody's feet had to get wet. And so the priest stood in the water, and the, it says it backed up, but it doesn't tell us, did they go knee-deep, did they go neck-deep? It doesn't tell us how far they had to go in before the water was completely backed up. But think about this with me. This is amazing. It gives us hope as parents and as leaders. The priests got their feet wet, but they stopped in the middle, and, and maybe the first couple of rows of the other people, maybe, they, maybe it was still muddy by the time they got there, But if there were two million people in this parade, like some people think, most of the people went through on dry land. Listen to me. Parents and church leaders, how you follow God matters. God will call you into the water before he calls your family into the water. And I don't know how it works. What I know is that God is a faithful God. And that when you are doing the basics, these things we're talking about, somehow in your wake, you make it easier for those who follow to follow God. It doesn't mean they always will, but you have done what you're supposed to do. As you follow God, you have created a path that, that makes it easier for people behind you to follow Him. 
So what does it mean for you to stand in the river for your family or for your church? I'll leave that question hanging out there. You, you need to wrestle with that. That's a question you need to figure out for yourself. What's the last thing that God has told you to do? Maybe that's what you need to go back and do. The third thing is this. They expect God to act faithfully together. Uh, Joshua chapter 3 says this. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan's at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap. That would have been so cool to see. It had been like on the Weather Channel. A great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry land while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry land. So how did things go? Exactly like Joshua expected. Joshua was not surprised that God did what he said he would do. Can I just say to you, we need to have a little bit of spiritual imagination. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I contend that God is still doing amazing things among us. We're just too busy to see it. We don't pause to, we give credit to everybody else or anything else, but not God. God is still the God who invades human history. We're not deists. God didn't start this thing and walk away. God is involved in history, taking us to the conclusion that he desires. So, what are you expecting from God? There's two parts in every journey that are hard. The first step and the middle. So I want to encourage you, if God's calling you to take a first step, go ahead and do it. If you're in the middle, you've taken some steps, but you're in the middle, can I just encourage you, don't stop. Don't stop. Fourthly, and then we're done. They mark the moments of God's faithfulness together. Scripture says, choose 12 men from among, you, among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carrying them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had their feet set on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran up flood stage as before. Verse 21, he said to the Israelites, in the near future, your descendants ask their, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God, listen to this, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. You know what it's saying? It's saying when God acts, give him credit. Brag on God to, your, to generations. Brag on God. These memorials were not celebrations of human achievement. These memorials, these rock piles, were not, they were celebrations of God's faithfulness. Listen, in the Bible, miracles are signs of something that's very important. The who of the miracle, not the what of the miracle. Now, if I was blind and Jesus 
healed my eyes, the what's going to be a big deal. But what the scripture is saying here is that if I'm, if I'm a faithful person who's affectionate for God, I'm going to realize I can see because of a who, not because of the mud that was put on my eyes. You see, without memorials, we forget the events and experiences in our life that are spiritual markers. And can I say to you that this is what the writer is saying, God's faithfulness to, faithful to us in the past, his faithfulness launches us into the future he wants us to have. So memorials are launching pads to God's future faithfulness in our life. That's why we have baptism. Baptism reminds us that it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that is the power of the gospel to change us. The reason that we have the Lord's Supper is to remind us that Jesus is coming back. We have those memorials, not just because we're giving religious respect to Baptist life, it's because there's a living Savior who is very much involved in what we're doing. When I think about the spiritual markers in my life, I think about being at Ridgecrest right after in the early 2000s. And, my, and our family was at a place where I was having to decide about what, where kids were going to go to school, where we were going to live, what church were we going to go to. I was working for the convention at the time, and we were up on top of Rattlesnake Mountain. If you've ever been to Ridgecrest, you've climbed Rattlesnake. If, anyway, and, and so my son was young. He was up there throwing rocks off a rattlesnake. I'm up there praying, God, what do you want us to do? I'm not making this up. I get a phone call. I get a phone call from a company in Atlanta that, te- that says, will you come and do this thing for us? That was the amount of resources that we needed to be able to make the decision that we believe was best for our family for 20 years. And on Ridgecrest, North Carolina's Rattlesnake Mountain, I said yes, picked up a rock and took it home, and that rock is on my desk today. God's never done that again. I've never been on Rattlesnake where the next part came. But that little rock is a launching pad whenever faced with something that we don't know how we're going to do it. I remember. So here's my question to you. What are the testimonies that God might want you to excavate in your life that maybe you have forgotten about? What are the memorials? You can go back and build a memorial just even if you didn't do it now. Then you can go back and build a memorial. Because to move forward in times like COVID... Our current situation needs to be run through the filter of God's past behavior. Our current situations need to be run through the filter of God's past faithfulness to us. Because we shouldn't be surprised when God acts because he said he would. So what do we need to remember? There's a generous God who has a future he wants to give us. God will conquer barriers with you that you didn't know could be conquered. You will learn to trust him deeply when you allow God to get new glory in your life. I close with this quote from John Piper. John Piper says that the critical question for every generation and every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you have ever had on earth and all the foods you've ever liked, and all the leisure activities you've ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you've ever seen, and all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, 
Could you be satisfied with heaven if Jesus was not there? Because you see, the promised land was not about physical comfort. It had some of that in there. It was about a community of God followers dwelling together in biblical community, glorifying Him with their lives. That's what it's always been about. The rim is still 10 feet. The free throw line, yeah, the rim is still 10 feet. The free throw line is still 15 feet. You're in a new arena. The basics of what it means to follow God haven't changed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for tonight, the sweet, sweet opportunity to be able to open your word and hopefully speak encouragement into the lives of uh, the folks who are here. And so, Father, uh, as we live out our days, help us to pursue your, your presence. Help us to observe your faithfulness and help us to mark the moments so that the next generation will know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.